0: Exodus fourteen 13. I'm going to talk to you again today about when your back is against the wall. Anybody's back against the wall here today? Two people? You're lying to me. <laughs> you're lying in church. How many of you can say, I may not be there now, but I've been there? Back against the wall. And we all know if you live on this planet, there's going to come a time your back is against the wall because we live in a, in a world of iniquity, Sin-infested, devil-infected world. So now I want to talk to you about the second part of Moses' command to the people when they were up against the sea and behind them was a great army coming against them. And um, he told them to do something that many people don't think about when they're in the middle of a trial. As a matter of fact, it's the last thing you think about. But he said, I want you to stand still and see. How many of you have a hard time standing still? Tell the truth. Boy, I do. Don't make me stand still. But let's read it. It's it's a brief verse, one verse, Exodus 14, 13. Uh, I'm reading out of the New King James Bible. And let's read what Moses told the people. He said, and Moses said to the people, he said, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. So there is, is a command. He said, first, don't fear. We talked about that last week. If you missed it, grab the CD. Then the second part of his command, stand still. You've got to deal with fear or you can't stand still. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And We're going to see next week that you can't move forward until you have stood still and fixed your focus. Okay? So these all run together. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the living, breathing Word of God, that, Lord, is alive and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow, and it discerns the intents and motivations and thoughts of our hearts. And, Lord, I pray that that Word will penetrate today and build our faith, That even though we might be up against the wall between a rock and a hard place, that we will look up to our deliverance in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for it. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, Stand still long enough to hear this message. (laughs) All right. Good to see all of you here at 9 o'clock. Our 9 o'clock is growing, and I'm so glad to see that because it's really the better service because I'm fresh at 9 o'clock. By 11, I'm worn out because you preach me out, okay? So now the context of this passage, once again, is the children of Israel are one million strong, about 600,000 men. And if you add the women and children, it was really over a million. And, and they're standing at the shore of the vast Red Sea and marching up behind them is an angry army. Pharaoh has let them go from Egypt, but he changed his mind as he did 10 times before. Changed his mind and goes chasing them. And so here they are. They got screaming women and children and the men see in front of them, Moses has led them right to the sea. And then they see this cloud of dust coming up behind them. And it's a furious Pharaoh with all of his chariots and all of his best horsemen and all of his army coming to take them back into captivity. He's going to steal their freedom away again. Now, when you've got a vast sea in front of you and you've got an army coming up behind you and there's nowhere else to go, you are up against the wall. It's been said that two of the emotions that we feel when our back is against the wall Is either fight or flight. When your back is against the wall, those two emotions rush in. And you either want to lash out and fight, or you want to jump in a plane and take flight, or jump in a car and take flight, or just run and take flight. But you know what? In this story, Israel had no chance of winning a military fight, so they couldn't fight. And where are they going to go if they took flight? There is nowhere to go. A sea in front of them, an army behind them. So they couldn't do either of the two, fight or flight. Now, when you can't fight and you can't take flight, there's a third reaction you have, and that's panic. You panic. And that's exactly what they did. And in their panic, they turned on their leader, and and they let him have it. And it's so sad because, (laughs) you know, Ten miracles have happened to deliver them from Egypt. They've seen the hand of God over and over again. But look what they said to Moses. Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us out of Egypt? Is this not what we told you in Egypt, saying, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to stay in the world. It would have been better for us to be Satan's slave than that we should die in this wilderness. Now, Moses could have reacted, but he didn't. You know, there is a difference between a reaction and a response. You react in in the flesh, you respond in the spirit. And Moses answered their attacks with a response to the crisis that nobody had considered, and it really didn't make any sense at all. In the natural, what he told them made no sense. He said, stand still. Say what? Hey, do you see the army coming up behind us? And you see this ocean in front of us? Stand still. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Now I'm going to tell you one of the hardest things to do in a crisis is stand still. We want to do something. Take some action or escape the trial altogether. David wrote this Psalm. He said, oh, that I had wings like a dove. We would say, oh, that I had a plane ticket. Then I would fly away and be at rest. The only problem is once you arrive, you're there. And the same problems you're running from greet you when you arrive. But that option wasn't open for David. He couldn't take flight like a dove and There were many, many times in David's life, especially running from Saul in the wilderness when he was constantly stalked and constantly hunted like an animal, when his back was up against the wall over and over again. And there wasn't anything he could do but look to God for deliverance. And that's that's what having your back up against the wall is all about, when there's no option for you but to look up and trust God for a miracle. Now, I want to balance this out, and I want to be very, very clear so that we get the, the full picture here, that when we do have the ability to do something, uh, to, to fight back, to, to change things, to solve the dilemma, we should do it. God didn't teach us to, to, to sit, soaking and sour, to, to not have a spine, to just lay down and let life happen to us. If you can do something about it, you should. But what we're talking about today is when you can't do anything, when your situation must be left to the Lord because the only answer is the Lord because th- there's nothing you can do in your power to bring victory to the situation. You must look up. It's like King Jehoshaphat uh, wrote or, or written of him in the Chronicles. When a great army was advancing to attack him, he made this prayer. He knew he couldn't do anything. Look what he said. Oh, God, we have no power against all these men. Who are coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes look to you. What do you do when you don't know what to do? You turn your eyes on the one who does know what to do and who can do. Now, under these circumstances, when you can't do anything about it, when it's not in your power, in the power of your flesh, in the power of your mind, in the power of your talent, in the, in the ability of your money... It is under these circumstances, God says, be still, stand still before the Lord and wait patiently and quietly and courageously for him to act because he knows all about what you're going through. He knows it. He knows what you have need of before you even ask him. And no doubt about it, the last thing our flesh is inclined to do is to stand still and do nothing. But here's, I want you to catch this today. What I want us to understand is the Bible teaches that standing still in faith is doing something. Standing still in faith is doing something. When you stand still in faith, it's a verb. You're standing still in faith, and faith goes to work for you. Because the words stand still mean to set or to station yourself, to take your stand. It doesn't mean just you're standing there and letting letting the devil run a number on you. The kind of standstill Moses is talking about is a stand of faith. It's a stand of active faith. You are believing God. A great illustration of this is found in the story of one of David's mighty men. David had three top mighty men. And their names were Adino and Eleazar and Shammah. Now Adino is known for conquering the Philistines against insurmountable odds. He defeated with his own bare hands, well, with a weapon, but by himself he defeated 800 men. That's what I call insurmountable odds. That's, he, was, he was David's top mighty man. The second one, Eleazar, won his battle with the Philistines in spite of indefinable fatigue. He held the sword so long he couldn't take it out of his hand. His hand stuck to the sword. He had to pry his fingers off. Oh, that we would do that way with the word of God. You're going to have to take this word out of my hand by force, and even then I'll die before I let go of it. He held on to that sword. We hold on to our sword that way. And Shammah held his ground for insignificant reward. He risked his life for a bean field. But it wasn't just any bean field. It was part of David's kingdom property. So even though it was a bean field, whether it was a field of gold or a field of beans, he didn't care. He only cared that his king cared about it. And since his king cared about it, he cared about it. If it mattered to his king, it mattered to him. And it's what Shammah did that I want to take a brief look at. It says, when the Philistines gathered together in a troop to plunder and steal this field... From the Israelites, which was their food, it says when the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troops fled. He was left standing alone. He was forsaken. He was, he was left destitute. Shammah. Nobody stood with him. But Shammah took his stand. Everybody say took his stand. There you have a picture of stand still. He took his stand. He stationed himself right in the middle of that field, and a whole army of Philistines attacked him, and he stood there taking his stand, and from that position, he defeated every single one of them. He risked his life for insignificant reward because for him, if it was his kings, it mattered. Hey, folks, we've got to start taking ownership of what Jesus cares about, and if it matters to him, it matters to me. So from this position of standing still and stationing himself, the Bible says he defended it and struck the Philistines down, and the Lord brought about a great victory. He was the third mighty man. Notice he first stood still and stood his ground, and from that position he defeated the enemy. Sometimes you are strongest when you have stood still in faith and you are calm and you are collective and you are trusting God and you are rehearsing the promises and you say none of these things move me. I shall not be moved. I'm going to stand in Jesus. I'm going to plant my feet and nobody is going to move me. I'm going to be the king of the hill. I'm going to stand on top of that hill and nobody is going to throw me down from my victory for I am more than a conqueror through him that loved me and I'm not giving up and I'm not going to walk away. standing and stationing himself in faith preceded the victory. I'm saying something here today. Sometimes you've got to go do something and take care of it and do this and do that and do what you can, but there are other times you say, Lord, I'm helpless. I don't know what else to do. But to look to you, and that's doing something. The kind of standstill that Moses instructed Israel to do is the same kind of stance Shammah took. It was not a passive stance where they were supposed to just let the enemy take them out. It was more of a military stance, a stationing themselves on the spiritual battlefield with steady resolve, standing firm in their faith, holding their ground. Boy, does the church need to be there today like never before in this wicked and perverse generation and nation that we're living in when the very things that we love and value are all under assault? God is looking for some folks who will plant their feet and say, maybe they ran, but I'm not running. Maybe they walked away, but I'm not walking away. Because, you see, there is power in standing still and trusting God Standing still in faith before God is not putting up the white flag of surrender. It's not a passive give-up attitude. It's the best thing you can do when your back is against the wall. It's the very same thing that Paul instructed the church to do three times in Ephesians. When he was talking about spiritual warfare, Paul said, watch this, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wild schemes stratagems of the devil. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. That's a lot of stands in that verse. You know what's interesting? I'm going to go here, but I'm going to go here real quick. That word withstand, withstand, that you may be able to withstand. Let Let me read it again. Watch this. He said, He said, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, and then take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand. So here you are standing, having put on the armor of God, and it says standing, having put on the armor of God, gives you the ability to withstand in the evil day. Now, you know what's cool? That word withstand is from a Greek word. Now, I'm going to give you a Greek word, but you're going to recognize it. Anthisteme. What do you think we get from anthisteme? antihistamine how many of you have taken one lately now you know what an antihistamine is okay you got histamine and you got anti histamine is what is released into your body when you're exposed to an allergen like pollen and when the histamine is released into your body, your nasal patches start swelling up, your eyes start watering, your nose starts running, you start getting scratchy throat, you start getting itchy, you start feeling bad, because the histamine is doing that to you. Your body is under attack by histamine. So you take an anti-histamine, and guess what an anti-histamine is? It's against histamine. So the antihistamine gets into your body and, and begins to block the histamine and drive it back so that all of a sudden you can breathe, and all of a sudden you feel good, and the scratchy throat is gone, and you're ready to go out and have a great day. Now, you know what the Bible is telling, telling us? That once we stand, when we take a stand, when we stand, therefore, with the armor of God on, we are spiritual antihistamines. Are you ready? That means Jesus in you starts driving back, pushing back, blocking the attacks of the enemy. Just standing, standing. So I want you to say with me, I'm a spiritual antihistamine. I guarantee you, you have never said that in church. But that's the Word. So when you're standing stand still, put on that armor, stand still in faith, in trust, in confidence in God. And when you do that, you block the enemy. So when you say, I'm helpless to do anything on my own behalf in this trial, but I believe God will undertake for me, so I'm going to stand still in quiet resolve knowing he's going to fight on my behalf, and you stand in quiet confidence, you're like a spiritual antihistamine. One of my favorite psalms is, be still and know that I am God. Psalms 4610, I memorized that 35 years ago. Be still is a similar command to stand still. It means to be relaxed, to not make an effort, not putting forth exertion, but leaving the matter with God. It is to be free of anxiety about the issue. When your back is against the wall and there's nothing you can do to deliver yourself, then standing still in faith and trust is the battle stance you take. You're saying, my God will deliver me. I rest in him and I will not fear. David was so good with this because his back was against the wall so many times he wrote a lot about it. One of my other favorite Psalms, 37, which is more marked up in my Bible than any other psalm, Psalms 37, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Standing still. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Look what he goes on to say. Don't fret. You know what that means? Don't be angry because of what the devil's doing. He says, don't fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. David advised us in a time when his whole life was under attack by wicked people. And he could advise, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. He could advise that because of what he believed and wrote about following that. He said, here's why I can tell you to rest in the Lord, because the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them. He shall deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked, and he shall save them because they trust in him. Amen. It's when we're standing still, resting in him and rehearsing his promises that God moves on our behalf. So everybody say with me before going forward, I must stand still. But then he said, don't just stand still. He said, stand still and see. Now, this second command is about focus. Focus. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Now, let me tell you a little secret. In spiritual warfare, your stance and your focus are the two keys to whether you win or lose, whether you walk on the water or sink. Your stance in faith and confidence in the Lord and your focus, what are you looking at in the middle of your trial? What are you focused on? See, Moses understood that Israel could stand still but still have a defeated focus. I'm going to say that again. Moses understood that Israel could stand still but still have a defeated focus. What, What would that be? Well, in front of them was an impossible sea. Behind them was a great army. And I don't know about you, but I know me. If I'm there, I'm looking either at the sea or the army. Unless... I'm walking by faith. They could have easily focused on the impossible sea or the angry army, and if they had stayed focused on either of the two, they would not have won the victory. Stand still, but then once you're standing still, fix your focus. Fix your focus. Fix your focus. Adjust your focus. Be sure your focus is where it ought to be. That's why there's so many verses in the Bible that talk about our focus, what we're focused on. What are we looking at? What are we primarily thinking about and focused on in life? Because you know what? Something dominates everybody's day. Colossians 3.1, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights. That's talking about Focus on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. And then here's one of my favorites. You know it. Hebrews 12, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off or lay aside every weight that slows us down and the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. But then verse 2 tells us how to do that. We do this, it says, by keeping our eyes on Jesus. That's focus. Do you you catch what this verse is telling us? That victory over the sin that besets you, victory over the weights that carry you down, and the ability to run and keep on running without fainting relies on keeping your eyes on Jesus. Focus. Something dominates everybody's day. You're focused on something primarily every single day. Here's another one. Psalms 25, David said, my eyes are ever on the Lord. He didn't say part-time. He didn't say my eyes are on the Lord on Sundays. And sometimes on Wednesday night, the rest of the week they're not. He said, my eyes are ever. My eyes are always. My eyes are constantly on the Lord for only he will release my feet from the trap. Meaning, if I'm going to stay free of Satan's snares, I've got to always be keeping my eyes on the Lord. That's focus. Focus is everything in battle. I, I'm sure you've noticed in the time of trial, and if you haven't, let me just point it out to you, when your back is against the wall, and and you can't find any way out, and you're in a wilderness experience, and nothing is making sense, it is then that Satan drives up in his garbage truck, and he's got one, and he tries dumping stinking thinking into your mind. When you're in that trial, and you can't do anything about it in your own strength, and you don't know where to turn or what to do, and you're between a rock and a hard place, your back is against the wall, that's when he comes up in the garbage truck and 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 it lifts up and he starts dumping these thoughts. Where is your God? Where is your God? Why isn't he helping you? Here's another one. Why is he blessing everybody else but you? Why isn't he answering your prayers? And on and on it goes. And the garbage, the stinking thinking comes pouring into your mind. And he is, he's after something, church. Here's what he's after. He wants you to take your focus off of him and put it on the trouble. Peter was doing fine till he looked at the waves and the wind. He was walking on H2O. And was doing great until he took his focus off of the one who had said, come to me. C- come to me. There's Jesus standing there, standing on top of the water. And Peter's doing great. He's walking. He's thinking, hallelujah, glory to God. I'm walking on the water. And then the wind whistled. And then the waves rolled. And he went. And he looked down. And <laughs> down he went. Focus. I'm so thankful. It says Jesus reached out and grabbed him. Because when you sink and your faith sinks, he understands. He understands. And he reaches out and he grabs you. He picks you up, stands you up. And, and, and here's what we don't ever think about. He walked him back to the boat on top of the water. Don't say, well, that faithless Simon Peter he walked out there and sank. That man walked on water. See, the devil tried to get you looking back with regret around with worry, uh uh-oh, 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 or within with fear. The last thing he wants is for you to look up with faith because even Satan understands that focus is key to your victory. You're in a trial today. What are you focused on? Stand still, God says, and see the victorious Lord, the King of kings, the Lord of the breakthrough, the victor over death, hell, and the grave, the bruiser of Satan's head, the soon-coming Lord of lords, the Lion of Judah, the healer, the deliverer, the light of the world. Get your eyes on him. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, the song says. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. I was thinking this week about how our nation is obsessed with looks. With how you look instead of where you look. We're in a nation of narcissists now. All those selfies. I'm so sick of selfies. And I've never taken a selfie in my life. But everywhere you look on the internet, there's selfies. All these people thinking, I'm going to take a selfie. and the whole world is going to be blessed by my selfie. (laughs) I'm that important. We're so obsessed about how we look. So you're in a restaurant. You're watching people at the table. And what are they doing? They're not talking to each other. They're going. And then they send it somewhere. And you don't even know who you're at the table with. I saw a very well-known movie star's picture this week. And I got to tell you, he had ruined his face with a facelift. It was ruined. I know what you're going to... Don't come up and ask me after church who it was. You'll find out. But his face was ruined by a facelift. And I thought he didn't need a facelift. He needed a faith lift. He needed a faith lift. Listen, it... it Because Jesus would have changed his countenance in a way that a facelift never could. Because of the glory of the Lord that gets on somebody who walks with Jesus. I'd rather have a faith lift than a facelift. How about you? Amen? Amen. Now, now we're going to have a faith lift today. Setting your focus is key to experiencing a faith lift. Turn your eyes on him. Faith is not a pill you take, it's a muscle you use. And it's the muscle of faith that will turn your eye in one direction, upward toward the Lord. That's the only direction faith will turn your eyes towards. Faith is strengthened by focus. That's why I start every single day in my own life, give you a little glimpse in my own life, every day I immediately head for the prayer room That's not true. I first head for Keurig, my coffee, but only so that I can take it with me into the prayer room. My little dog follows along behind me, knowing exactly where I'm going, jumps up on the chair and then jumps up on the bed and leaves the chair to me. And my little dog doesn't get bothered at all. When I get really into prayer and I get exercised in prayer and I lift my voice, my little dog sleeps through the whole thing because he's so used to it. But I go there first. You know why? I can't afford to do anything else because I'm going to fix my focus at the beginning of the day because I've learned when you set the direction of your focus at the beginning of the day, You tend to keep it the rest of the day. But when you don't set it at the beginning of the day, you're playing catch-up the rest of the day. They gather that manna in the morning, first thing at the rising of the sun. You don't have to do it. I'm just telling you, you ought to start your day with Jesus and then get your Wheaties. No Bible, no breakfast. So the people of Israel stopped their complaining, halted their worrying, ceased their panicking, stood still, and set their eyes on God. And that is when God gave them their next step, and a miracle broke forth. Can we stand today? Is your back against the wall today? Are you between a rock and a hard place? Are you you asking or saying, I don't know what to do? I don't know where to turn. I don't know what my answer is. I encourage you, stand still. That's your battle stance. In faith, give the trial to God. Set your focus on Jesus. Jesus. And he will fight for you. And you will hold your peace. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your blessing today. I thank you for the goodness of God. I thank you, Lord, for this powerful word that Moses brought to a people, your people, between a rock and a hard place, Backs against the wall. And, Lord, we're there. Many of us are there. And, Lord, right now, we give the trial to you. And I want to lead you in a prayer, church. If this is you, I want you to say, Lord, I give this trial to you. I give this storm to you. And I take my stand. I stand still, putting on the armor of God positioning myself in faith on the battlefield. And, Lord, I fix my focus. I adjust my focus. I put my focus on you. I turn my eyes upon you. Now, Lord, thank you for giving me great peace in my spirit.